This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Oh, man. All right, kids. I'm heading to bed. I'm fucking exhausted. I'll talk to you guys next week. All right, man. <laughs> Later, week. guys. Later. See ya. Thank God we got rid of that guy. Fuck off. God. He's still there. <laughs> Dude, I was like your girlfriend hanging on the phone when you say bye and she doesn't hang up to see if you talk bad about her. Cannot play with her. Cannot win with her. Cannot cope with her. Can't do it. Play with me. I mean, listen, we talking about practice. Not a game. Not a game. Not a game. Are now locked in to the Clock Dodgers podcast. Clock Dodgers podcast. Welcome to the Clock Dodgers podcast. I am your host Neil. With me today is Adam. Yo, Adam, what's up? What's going on, boy? Oh, that's a little gangster intro of you there, man. <laughs> also joining us, our guy Josh. What up, Josh? Hey guys. <laughs> no gangster intro here. Yep. How's everyone Josh doing today? The energy of a ten-year-old uh, who's like meeting his friends at the park and waving full-handedly. <laughs> hey guys! I wave like that all the time. I bet you do. It's it sounds adorable. <laughs> can you imagine like Josh walking out his door in the morning to go to work? Hey neighbor! Like I can see it. Like he's like you know like the Truman <laughs> Show. That's how I picture him. The uh, the drummer of Twenty One Pilots, who ironically is also named Josh, is kind of known for always waving like a child. It's really adorable, but that's exactly what I pictured when you said that. Yeah, it's our Josh, man. That's how he acts. So, so Adam, like here, people wave a lot, and um, my my mom lives up in Chicago, and sometimes <laughs> I go up there, and like so I'll be running or just out doing whatever, and like if you make eye contact with somebody here, you wave. And in Chicago, if you wave at people, they look like you look at you like you are a psycho. Why are you making eye contact with people? <laughs> well, like you don't look at people as you move around. Like no, it is. It's totally different in the city. Obviously, I grew up in the suburbs, so I kind of grew up with that same mentality. My dad's the type he'll talk to anybody. So I always was embarrassed of that as a kid. But then as I grew older, kind of like saw why that's really a beneficial quality to have in a person. Um, but it, yeah, it's weird living in a city because it's, it's people overload. That's what it is. You're just seeing too many people all the time. So if you did that, you'd literally just look yeah. like a psychopath. You'd just be walking in the street like, hi neighbor, hi neighbor, hi neighbor, hi neighbor, hi neighbor. Are you my friend? And yeah, people would think that you, you have a problem. So the alternative is just do the exact opposite of that, which is no eye contact. I'm focusing on me, my life, what I'm doing. Nothing else matters. Uh, what's hilarious is when you, like, find a middle ground. Uh, I have a friend who just introduced to me a really fun game to play on public transit, which is uh, uh, try and spot the person who's dressed the weirdest. <laughs> and guess what? 
If you actually do that on public transit, it becomes really interesting the shit that you probably don't pay attention to because uh, people dress weird as hell. Speaking of like not talking to strangers, I love to pull the whole like I'm on the phone thing. Like I'm walking into a store and I don't want to talk to somebody or want to like not make contact with them. Like, oh, yeah. Hey, so uh, you want me to have dinner? What time is dinner again? I just have like my cell phone out. Like I'm talking to somebody and like really I'm not even talking to anybody. Yeah. Is that crazy? No, we get it. You don't give money to homeless people. Uh, well, you know, homeless people, you got the Girl Scouts out there, the Boy Scouts. Yeah, I'd be like, oh. Just fuck all of them, huh? Yeah, all of them, bro. All of them. I can't even give them a minute of my time the, to say the, hello. No. Acknowledge their existence. Nah. I'd rather fake a call. The worst thing is when, like, you're on the line checking out and, like, they're like, oh, we'd like to donate something. No, raise? I don't want to donate today. I don't want to donate. But, like, why do you have to make me feel like a piece of shit but every time you ask that, me? you're like, oh, wait, mom. What? What's going on? Yeah. Is everything okay? I've got to run. I'm sorry. I can't donate right now. I would, but I, there's an emergency, exactly. obviously. You got to get creative with this stuff, man. You can't just go uh, straight. Not you know. know. All you have to do is the, really the true antisocial city technique. You'll see it all the time. It works flawlessly. Women are brilliant at it because they, they need it. Uh, it's headphones. Yeah. You put on headphones, nobody attempts to interact with you. Uh, you actually, one thing that I do, and uh, I actually recommend this uh, to tons of people, especially if you ever feel unsafe in any situation, put in headphones and just don't turn them on. Yep. It's it's, it's brilliant to just be able to listen to your environment and not have anyone feel like they can interact with you directly. My, my, my. It's kind of a foolproof thing. I know a lot of women in the city who do it. I have a lot of friends who are females who literally are the ones who first told that to me and then i've used it just because it like for instance if you're just on public transit late at night and you don't want the person who's kind of crazy or cuckoo next to you trying to engage you in a conversation you don't have to actually be listening to anything but just having headphones in will cut down on the chances of that and also if you ignore that person who you don't want to engage with (laughs) it doesn't seem rude it just seems like oh you can't hear them but then they might start touching you to get your attention. Uh, yeah. Oh, You're like, oh, thanks. Whoa, whoa. thanks. That's what the Macy's right. for. <laughs> Let's get into the content. Nah, I hold on, hold on, hold on. While we're on headphones. Yo, I need to shower now. No, listen, Thank you. While we're on headphones, I love how AirPods now make me look crazy everywhere I'm at. I, 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 I like to just keep one in my ear sometimes so I can talk to people or listen to something, but then the other one's free. And like whenever I'm like, if I'm shopping or I'm next to somebody, like, are you talking to me? Or are you talking to yourself? And I'm like, no, I'm actually talking to this person in my ear, my, head, my, my AirPod ear. Oh, I didn't even see it. It's like they only see my ear that's free. So they think I'm like crazy or talking to myself. So that would keep people away from you also. So yeah, that's another, that's another technique. Those of us without AirPods who are next to you and having this really awkward <laughs> moment where we're like, is that, is that person talking to It me? happens so much. It's ridiculous. Talking to me? Yeah, it happens so much. Yeah. Another reason that I always have headphones in so I can just ignore whether or not you're even talking <laughs> to me. Just cut that out entirely. Yeah. So, all right. So before we jump into the content, let me start this off by saying we're not going to spoil the Joker movie like every other podcast wants to do this week. I haven't seen it. I don't know if you guys. That is weird. I had that happen on two podcasts. Yeah. It's like, that's like the move this week. It's almost like it was Game of Thrones or something. Oh, ha ha. Yeah. So obviously some people say it sucked. Some people say it's amazing. I haven't seen it yet. I don't know if you guys have. But no, I haven't seen it yet. I really want to. But yeah, you're right. It's been very polarizing. I've yeah. only heard those two things. People are like, it's brilliant. And then other people were like, it's boring and stupid. Yeah. Like, All right. We'll see. We'll see what uh, Josh thinks. We'll see what Oklahoma thinks when he gets around to it. Maybe it'll be his show and tell one week. Um, other than that, 
this is going to be a good old episode, man. The Democratic debate is happening while we're doing this because we don't care about our country. So we're ignoring that. Um, Correct. If you're about to have a Democratic debate. (laughs) Oh, look at this guy. But yeah, if you haven't voted, I mean, if you haven't registered to vote, you should definitely do that. You think there's any listeners of this podcast who have are not registered to vote? Do we do we call those kind of people? <clears throat> yeah, none probably. The felons none. that listen, I don't know. Maybe we'll see. But anyway, last thing to mention because it's not in our notes or anything, and I don't know. I think it pretty much happened recently. Is Mariota's been benched? Tannehill is going to be the starter this week. That's not really. Today. Yeah, that's not really in our conversation at all. But I just felt like it was worth mentioning before we jump into it. Before we jump into everything uh, else, I'd love to talk to you, Mariota believers, about this. Let's yeah, go. This, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting, right? I know I traded He's Mariota, bad. right, Josh? What a mess. Josh, player profiler. Yeah, Josh, I want you to speak both on half of yourself and playerprofiler.com, yes. who you, I think had Mariota ranked as like the number two dynasty quarterback last year. No, no one. Because uh, Matt Kelly's off his rocker sometimes. N- but no, yeah, go no, on. Nobody should talk about this more than Josh, because Josh also traded me like the first pick in our draft next year for Mariota. So no one Dude. should be talking about this. <laughs> Josh. You make it sound so bad. No, it's just what it is. Tell us about it, Josh. They, what's going on here? I don't man? understand. I don't understand what they think they're going to get out of Tannehill. It's like, it's like bringing in Joe Flacco after having Case Keenum not do well for a year. I, I would just ride Mariota out and and see if it gets any better and replace him <laughs> with a drafted player. The riding has has has, has finished. Yeah, they're okay. done with that. The ride is over, Josh. They do not agree. <laughs> I'm I'm uh, honestly I am flabbergasted that it happened this early in the year. Um, as you guys remember in in our one auction dynasty league, I completely punted on quarterback and Tannehill was one of the quarterbacks I took. I did that thinking Tannehill might start the last two games of the season. I never imagined that it would be this situation, which actually makes me super excited for Tannehill because it makes me feel like they're they're more confident in Tannehill than I would have originally let on. Um, this is a really early point in the year to be turning over. This is almost like the transition that you would see if Tannehill was like an incoming rookie quarterback that had been drafted in the first round, not, you know, a quarterback that played for another NFL team for years. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued to see if Tannehill can do anything better in the offense, but, uh, but yeah, I think Mariota is, uh, yeah, his career is going to be in rough shape after this. Yeah, somebody I, 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 in the building, somebody in the building was ready to move on from Mariota. Yeah, I, I think, think that's really all it was. I didn't think it was going to happen until like Mariota got hurt or something. I didn't think it was going to happen just like this quick in the middle of this, you know, middle of the season like this. I really didn't. Like even the whole, you know, change to Tannehill at the end of the year, I, I really didn't see the, the reason, the reason for it. You know, like I mean, at that point, you might as well just finish it out, Mariota, and move on. Like. I thought it had to be an injury that would that would pull this to happen. So I mean, just... I honestly think the only thing that makes sense. I'm sorry to interrupt, but really the only thing that makes sense is they honestly think Tannehill is going to win them more games because right now they're in a position. They're two and three in that division. The Texans and the Colts are three and two. The Jags are also two and three. Like it's it's neck and neck at this point. It's not like they're you know some team that's completely out of contention and they're just throwing in the towel. I feel like they think Tannehill is their best shot to win, which is really interesting. I mean, they're wrong, but that's fine. <laughs> they can think that. So, like, so, really, Tannehill? Well, I mean, Josh, then tell us. I mean, how, how do you feel personally then about the weapons in Tennessee? Do you feel like this is going to hurt everybody? Do you think it's going to just – they're just going to kind of stay how they are already? 
I mean, you obviously don't think they're going to get better from the way you're talking here, but do you think they're going to drop or do you think they're just going to kind of stay the same? Same. Uh, I don't, I mean, I don't think that they're going to get a lot better. We've seen Ryan Tannehill, like not be able to do anything with Kenny Stills really, or, you know, or Devontae Parker, who is terrible in his own right. But uh, Ryan Tannehill's, just a very pedestrian quarterback. And I don't think Marcus Mariota was playing that poorly, was he? Dude, that's a stretch. Uh, <laughs> I also like how you conveniently ignored Jarvis Landry. <laughs> You're just like, I'll name all yeah, the but he's, other. Yeah, but he's a low eight. Like, I, I, I honestly think, to Jarvis Landry's credit, like any quarterback in the league could probably play with Jarvis Landry. Fair. You know, he's not like a Will Fuller that – some quarterbacks would not be able to use. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I mean, I kind of feel sorry, like, Neil. Go ahead. No, no, I was gonna just say, like, I mean, the the last game, you know, he just just last week, uh, you know, Mariota sucked, obviously, but other than that, I mean, I don't think there hasn't been anything like just production wise. Like, I think he has seven touchdowns, two interceptions, so it's not like he's throwing the ball, you know, ton of interceptions to the other team. They just have a shitty. I don't know, man. This, it, whether it's maybe it's just the record and that was it. I don't know. I mean, he started off that. I mean, he played that game horribly. So I can't imagine just one bad game is what it, it seems like they were rushing to this. Like they couldn't wait for this to happen. Kind of. Does that make sense? Like he hasn't been bad, like Josh has said. Like he hasn't been horrible. Um, you know, in a point where you feel like they need to pull him this quick. But I guess you know, it feels like something they've been anxious to do for some reason. Yeah, I, I don't know. exactly. This was a decision that they had already made. And they found a reason to make it now. I don't think that what has been happening actually warranted this. Yeah, fair. I mean, yeah, he, he's had some up non-performances. I mean, he had a three-touchdown game against Atlanta. He threw for over 300 yards in a game. But overall, I mean, like I said, I, I feel like this is more a, um, a less an indictment on Mariota and more them feeling positive about what they might have in Ryan Tannehill, which I think is interesting. Um, I honestly, when this happened this past week, I just thought that that was a move simply because Mariota was playing terrible in that right, game. I, right. I really thought they'd be going right back to him. So I'm kind of shocked. I mean, honestly, I, I haven't looked through Mariota's stats and I'm going through game by game right now. And I'm, I'm honestly surprised. I mean, he's had two, three touchdown games. He's had two games over 300 yards. I mean, he's not playing awful. Um, but in the games of where they're losing, he is like that. That's really it. It's kind of a Jekyll and Hyde like performance where he he's having these good performances, but then they're mixed in with just these atrocious performances where he's, you know, throwing for a couple hundred, you know, less than 200 yards and not getting in the end zone. So uh, I think that you might be onto something with the idea that they we're just kind of looking for a reason to move on to from them. But I, I'm curious what that reasoning is. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Obviously, the Titans have trust issues <clears throat> with Marcus Mariota. <laughs> you like how I pulled that in there, guys? You see, that's a called a that's called a you know a transition. That's a, oh, man. It's like you're riding around on two wheels. It's yeah, almost like man. it's a segue. I'm just, I'm just such a professional, man. Just such a professional. So for anyone who does care, we don't think it affects anyone offensively in fantasy. But obviously, you know, we'll see if Tannehill can do what Mariota did or better. I don't know. No, I don't think anyone expects it. But we'll see how it plays out. Let's move over to trust issues. Uh, the first player on this list I thought would create some friction for Josh. 
cause some issues because his boy feeling chafed yeah he should man the first player on this list is carlos hyde who josh wants to hide from because he thought duke johnson should be the man in houston and he's not he's just simply not josh how do you feel about this man he should i I love how neil says this like neil wasn't saying the exact same thing You're, like, putting it all on Josh. Like, you haven't taught it. Duke Johnson is, like, this elite run. Where are my Duke Johnson shares at? I have none. Ooh, did you bail? I mean, this is just a coaching decision, though, right? Like, running volume is nothing more than a coaching decision. And I think that there's legitimately a thing in the NFL where they just look at two guys and go, that guy looks like a running back. Yeah, because one of them's a running back. The other one is a glorified wide receiver. Right. So you're saying uh, that if Duke Johnson got the same carries that Carlos Hyde got, he would produce the same way or better? Even now. Like, he wouldn't if, be playing. If you gave Duke Johnson 26 carries last week, he would be out this week. Damn, that is not true. 100%. Strong words. <laughs> okay, even now, yards per touch. Carlos Hyde, 4.3 yards per touch, 42nd overall. Duke. 7.2 yards per touch, number two overall. Yards created per carry, Hyde, 24th overall with 1.43. Duke is better in every way. <laughs> okay, Hyde, to be fair, is seeing heavier fronts, but it's not a huge difference. Like, he's just, he's going out there and being fine, and they're fine with fine, and that's all it is. It's just a coaching decision. It's... I, I don't I don't expect it to change anytime soon because Hyde's fine, but <laughs> Duke, Duke is outplaying him. Oh, man. He yeah, brought so the numbers. I'm just going to jump in with a big trust over Carlos Hyde, and uh, I, I want to just throw out some numbers here because we're, we're throwing out a lot of numbers, and, and really the big talk here is in Duke Johnson versus Carlos Hyde. So the numbers that I'm throwing out are 7, 10, 8, and four. Those are Duke Johnson touches over the last four games. It's just, he's not, he's not relevant. It's just not going to happen in my opinion. I mean, except for these sparse games where he's able to find the end zone, he's irrelevant in my opinion for fantasy. Now moving over to Carlos Hyde. I mean, I don't want to have the efficiency conversation at running back. Stop it. This conversation needs to stop in fantasy. It doesn't matter. What matters is volume. It's what the whole game is predicated on. We do we we are it's a stat-based game. We're we're looking for people who can produce stats. The thing that correlates the most to those stats is volume, is touches. And that's what Carlos Hyde is getting. I mean, over the past two weeks now, we're seeing this tendency for them to just run the ball like crazy with Carlos Hyde. I mean, he's seen over 20 carries in the last two games. And overall, in the last three games, he's seen 16 touches or more. Um, So personally, I feel like Carlos Hyde's one of those players where because Houston is playing so well, he's going to continually have opportunities to score. And he's really became essentially what Lamar Miller has been. I mean, he fit that role pretty much perfectly. I mean, the Houston Texan running back is is never going to be this gigantic weekly producer. But as far as some low-floor guy who, if he ends up 
getting a touchdown and 100 yards or if he scores two touchdowns, is going to be able to put up a 20-point game, that's what he is. And he'll have a lot of games where he's right around 10 to 15 fantasy points. And, you know, his lack of receiving is not going to be helpful in PPR leagues. But if what you're looking for is just a consistent 10, 15 points, I feel like you're going to get that from Carlos Hyde. Yeah, I feel like he's a trust for me as well, just in terms of a safe play. You know, like, you're not going to look at him to win the games for you, but you're also not going to look at him to, to lose games for you, in a sense. Do you, who, who do you guys trust more going forward the rest of the season, Carlos Hyde or Jamal Williams? Why? What? I'm what just curious. Jamal Williams is on the top of my head right now. I'm just curious. Why is – no. That's – all that all that Jamal Williams was was – the little glimmer of hope that you can still trade for Aaron Jones and dynasty. That's what that was. So nothing's there. That was right. now you have a one week window to try and trade for Aaron Jones and dynasty. If you want to try and acquire him. But yeah, I think that that was mostly a fluke of last night being just one of the most atrocious football games that I've ever not watched. I watched like five minutes of that game and I'm so glad because it sounds like everything that I missed was just the worst football. They're, they're the same thing though. Like they're, Jamal Williams continuing to get volume is the same thing as Carlos Hyde. Like it's just a coaching decision. And I don't think there's any reason to think Carlos Hyde's workload is going away, even though I think it should. And Jamal Williams is the same, but with less volume. Yeah. I think it's dramatically different because of the volume. I think that that's way more a situation where a coach like just likes using two running backs. I mean, we saw it with Deion Lewis and, Derrick Henry in Tennessee, like, we kind of knew this was going to happen coming into the year. I mean, all last year it was pretty evident that Derrick Henry was so much better than Deion Lewis, especially between the tackles, and he just wasn't getting the touches. I think we're probably going to end up seeing that throughout the year with Aaron Jones as well. He's obviously the better player, but the way that they like utilizing their running backs and they feel that they're most efficient as an offense is when they're cycling those guys. So it's, it's the same thing that we're seeing in San Francisco right now. That's fair. So, okay, so you trust him, trust Carlos Hyde, Adam. I trust him. Josh, being what you think of Duke and him, that aside, do you trust Carlos Hyde the rest of the season? Or yeah, I think his workload will okay. continue. Like, okay. it makes me want to vomit, but it's going to continue. <laughs> all right. So we all trust him in a, you know, enough of a sense that it's, it's you know, he's nauseating a kind of a way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Josh, you sound carsick over there, man. You're like, just. Like, what does Duke have to do? What is he? Yeah, it's true. I think run between the tackles more than 10 times. I think he could do it. Like, just let him. I would love for him to have ever shown that at any point. But, like, how is he supposed to show the ability to run between the tackles more than 10 times unless a coach calls that play? Yeah, I mean, I get it. Like, I get that it is reliant on a coach making a coach's decision. But when we see it year after year after year with players, we cannot keep expect and different coaching staffs. Like, that's the thing is it's been multiple coaching staffs, uh, even on the same team. Even when he's on the Browns, he's gone through multiple coaching staffs. So now he's gone through three different coaching staffs, all identifying that he cannot be someone who runs between the tackles for more than 10 times a game. And yet people in the fantasy community are still arguing they can like, I, I don't get it at, at, the, at some point. We just have to accept that these coaching staffs are seeing something in practice that is identifying that he is not capable of having that skill set. They I, might all be wrong and the fantasy community might be right, but it's just, to me, it's just, it's not going to happen. 
Like I, both of these things can be true. Like I think honestly, all that they see is Carlos Hyde weighs 230 pounds. That's all. That's it. That's it. And to not be that guy, you have to be an above average NFL coach. And there just aren't very many of them. Never let Duke Johnson die, Josh. I honestly, oh man, I don't want to just beat this topic to death, but I just think it more is a symptom of it in the NFL of running backs production is so much more related to offensive line play and the overall efficiency of the offense. And it really doesn't matter that greatly about who you stick back there, except for these few multidimensional players that just kind of ascend like a Christian McCaffrey outside of those type of players, which I think a lot of people thought Duke Johnson could be, but he's not shown that ever um, outside of those few like super athletes most of the rest of the NFL is just cycling in guys and depending on how efficient their offense is and how good their offensive line plays, that's how well their running backs do. And that's why we're seeing a team like the 49ers who I'd probably say have one of the worst groups of running back talent are able to produce as the best running offense in the NFL. Yeah, no argument here. Let's move on. Let's move on. Duke Johnson always causing a problem on this show, man. Always, always dragging us out. Next guy in the list. Only for like another year or two while he's still in the league. Yeah. Oh, that was just dirty right there, man. He's taking low blows at you at this point, Josh. It's like, yeah, I hope somewhere on the line in this, in this episode, Joe, Josh, in this show, you can combat this guy because he's just – he's dug in, dug in on you twice now. Mariota and now Duke. Somewhere you got to get him back, and I just don't know where it's going to be, Josh. Golden Tate. He's back. He's not suspended. He's making plays with a rookie quarterback. Targets galore. Do you guys trust him or not? I, I I do trust him. I honestly, I like this new New York Giants offense. And if they can get Saquon back, it's going to be fun. I mean, they've got they've got some interesting weapons, especially this week. I mean, ultimately, you know, anybody going up against Arizona is in a good game script situation. Um, but with how terrible Arizona has been against the tight end, I think Evan Ingram is going to go off this week. And I think Golden Tate's going to get a bunch of targets as well. Um, I think that really what Daniel Jones has been able to do for this offense is just kind of open it up and actually make it an efficient pass offense. And Golden Tate's always been that guy who's just a reliable target share guy. And they went right back to him as soon as he was healthy. So last week, I think, was kind of our first glimpse of what he's going to be able to do. But ultimately, moving forward, I think that it's probably not going to be as consistent as we've seen with Golden Tate on other teams because you have the presence of Evan Ingram. But I think it's going to be just like a notch below that. Yeah, I so Golden Tate had nearly a 30% target share on nine targets. Uh, Darius Slayton had more air yards on him, and more air yards than him in week six. But he had a horrible, horrible racer. So he's not converting his opportunities. He's basically doing what Devonte Parker does. He just runs really far down the field, gets a poor quality target and does nothing with it. Um, Evan Ingram is going to be there. So that could be a problem for Tate, but even with Evan Ingram playing, you know, in week one, Benny Fowler had five targets playing in a short a dot kind of a role. Week two, Fowler has 10 targets. Week three, it was Sterling Shepard playing, a low A dot roll with nine targets. So I think that there's room here beside Evan Ingram for 
somebody like Golden Tate to be very, very relevant. I, I trust him. I trust him as well. I mean, he's been relevant in the past, you know, on other teams. He's never been a, a guy that, like, we didn't trust then. And, you know, as you guys have mentioned, with the targets, with obviously guys aren't healthy, it changes things a little bit. But, you know, he, and, he, and you know, he's a playmaker once he gets the ball. I feel like the rookie oh, quarterback yeah. is going to lean on that. You know I mean, he's going to be like, hey, I throw the ball to other guys. Things don't really happen. I throw the ball to Tate, and he scores. Like, it is what it is. Like, it can't be ignored. You know what I mean? 100%. I mean, he's the best yards after catch player in the NFL. I mean, having that is a gigantic asset for a rookie quarterback. So, yeah, I think you you are totally right there. I, I honestly, I'm excited about him going forward because I have him on a couple teams that I've just kind of been waiting. And it, it's nice to have something reliable because some of those teams are a mess. Yeah, for sure. All right, good. So we all trust Tate. You see how quick we can move on when Duke Johnson isn't in the conversation? The last or Carlos Hyde. I'm not sure which of the two is really what. Yeah, I don't know what caused the issue, but someone. I think I'd be really curious to know if Josh's love for Duke Johnson is greater than his hate for Carlos Hyde. Like yeah, those I are real close. Like like until now, I've just thought like Carlos Hyde was a, uh, you know, a guy that just does his job, kind of like that lunch pail running back, underappreciated. Now I, now he is. Causing a problem for me. I don't like yeah, it. Yeah, but some of those guys end up with Hall of Fame resumes like Frank Gore. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> All right. The uh, last guy on our trust list for the week is Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson went off. His quarterback came back healthy, and he just did what Robbie Anderson does. Tell me if I'm wrong here. You guys know I like to compare guys. I like to find an equivalent, someone to compare them to. Can I guess? Go ahead. <laughs> I know exactly what you're going to Go say. It's Will, it's Will Fuller. A hundred percent, right? He's a 100%. fucking clone. They're He's the a clone. same player. They even have dreads, man. Yeah. It's I mean, great. The high scoring <laughs> games and they vanish and it's like, mm-hmm. but, the, but the ability to explode any week, like super high risk reward, but like I take it 10 times out of 10. You know how much I love Fuller, Robbie Anderson. He's a clone, dude. It's like the exact same player. They're the ultimate boom bust guys. It's so I love fun. them. I trust them. How do you guys feel? Yeah, so I, Go ahead. And I was just going to say, in 2018, Robbie Anderson had four of these games with Darnold. So that that's still something that can happen. You know, that he just happened to start out with one. I don't think this is going to be any kind of regular level. You know, he, he was averaging around 11 points per game. He has a floor around six points. But once every three or four weeks, you're going to get 30 or 25. You know, so that's... That's who Robert Anderson is. It's a useful player. Yeah. I mean, it, Josh hit the nail on the head. I think this is exactly what it's going to be. And honestly, I would say this week is a big sit Robbie Anderson week because they're going up against New England. New England loves to take down these number one options. They love to not allow you to stretch the field. So I think that this is kind the kind of week where I would look to sit Robbie Anderson. But the hardest thing about players like him, like Will Fuller, is you feel like you have to have, your, have them in your lineup every week because, you know, Will Fuller went off for 50 points. Like, it's so many people had that on their bench. It, it's just mis- it's miserable because then you'll play them the next week and they'll put up five. So it, it's tough. Honestly, I only like owning these people in best ball because that's that's – that's where they're relevant. Like I would draft all the Will Fuller. I didn't actually draft nearly enough Robbie Anderson. I probably should have drafted a lot more of him. Um, just simply because that that's what they're made for is best ball. Um, because it's really difficult to predict the weeks that they're going to go off and have these huge games. 
Um, but I think it's a lot easier to predict the weeks that they're not going to have a huge game, and I think that this might be one coming up. Okay. So, yeah, I'd say I probably have trust issues long-term just because I think it's going to be inconsistent. That's fair. Definitely fair. All right, so, yeah, I mean, we are fans of Robbie Anderson. just depends on the week. You a bigger fan in DFS, and it makes sense. We think he's a Will Fuller clone. You know, I can't get enough of Will Fuller, man. So to have two Will Fullers, mm, I can't complain. <laughs> All right. Um, let's jump over to damn that sounded nah, never mind. Um, let's jump over to rank them, rank them, rank them. We got some interesting lists this week. I decided for us to to mix it up a little bit. You know, I like to mix mix up the ranks. I, who, why we're ranking them for what reasons? Um, this this week I wanted to go rest of season kind of thing. So like rank the wide receivers for rest of season, running backs for rest of season, and quarterback rest of season out of the, out of the group that we that I put together here. Um, so for the wide receivers rest of season. I'll let Josh start on it, but the receivers that we have have are Sutton, McLaren, and Fuller, the guy we were just talking about. Um, I, I, I put this group together because I feel like there's a little bit of everything here. You know, we mentioned the risk-reward of Fuller, but then Sutton, the guy who's kind of caught a bunch of people off guard, who I feel like some people still don't, like, really believe in or trust or are ignoring or whatever the case is. Um, and then McLaren, obvious, for obvious reasons. So, um, Josh, let us know how you rank him first, man. Okay, so I like Cortland Sutton first. You know, he's he's becoming the dominant you know, number one receiver on that on that team, even with Emmanuel Sanders there, who you know is a very good wide receiver, and twenty three percent target share. He's getting forty percent of the team's air yards. He he's converting ninety percent of his air yards into receiving yards, and he's doing a lot of that with yards after the catch. But it just he's playing really well. Okay, so for me, Cortland Sutton is is the one. And then I kind of had a debate with myself over Fuller and McLaurin. Uh, I came out with Fuller ahead just because Fuller has so many more air yards than Terry McLaurin. And, uh, you know, I also expect McLaurin to be less predictable as a rookie, even even though he has done very, very well. And I'm not trying to take anything away from him. He's, he's had a great season, but... Just the the air yards that Fuller is pulling down makes him the number two and then McLaurin three for me. God, man, it's really crazy how many targets Will Fuller has gotten with only having one game above 10 fantasy points. Like, it's flabbergasting how many targets he has on the season. Um, I'm... I'm not looking at like an added up total. I'm looking by game by game and I'm trying to add it up in my head really quick here. Cause I'm just, I, I'm literally flabbergasted. I feel like he's, he's seen already like 60 targets, which is just mind boggling. Cause he had that one 16 target game. Um, but it looks like he's between 55 and 60 targets by quick math. Essentially the reason I bring that up is it's, it's really interesting you pick these three players because I think they're very different in what they're doing for their offenses. And it's shocking to me that they all have very similar target shares. They all are not target shares, but volume of targets. They're seeing very similar amount of targets per game. Um, with that in mind, I, I feel like I've got to put Will Fuller at the bottom of this. I mean, he had that 50 point game. That's insane. That's amazing. But the other five weeks you have hated having him on your team. And I think that the consistency is just not there. Um, where with McLaurin and Sutton, we're seeing a lot of consistency. Um, I think Josh is right in the sense that I would put Sutton ahead. 
Um, what Sutton's been able to do on that team with Emmanuel Sanders there has really been surprising to me because Emmanuel Sanders can become an alpha number one wide receiver for a team if they are devoid of one. Uh, we've seen it before where he's been able to step into that role. So for Sutton to kind of overcome that and to be in that role feels like it's going to have more security. And he's also not a rookie. And it's so tough for rookies in the NFL at the wide receiver position to really have these big breakout seasons, I feel like. Uh, I think what we're seeing from McLaurin, it reminds me so much of what we saw from Cooper Cup. And I think that that really is pretty reminiscent of the way in which that I think his season's going to play out, where I think McLaurin can still have a really productive season. I just think Sutton's ceiling might be higher. I love it. I actually have a different uh, group than all of you guys, man. So this is good. So I actually, surprisingly, shocker, have Fuller last. I have Fuller last on my list, just like just like you, Adam, and for the same reason, because of the up and down, right? Um, and then I actually put Sutton second. Um, I love Sutton. You know, I, I actually have him on some – I have him on at least one team. I know that for sure. But um, I, I didn't expect this to happen. You know, he's been so consistent. He's had tons of targets. Obviously, he's a big body guy, and and you know Flacco trusts him. Um, but I actually put McLaurin first. I just feel like I don't know, man. When you watch him play, you're like, this kid is special. I don't know. If he, he is. He's like, it's the route running and stuff is just it's amazing. Like when you watch him, you're like, oh, like they know they're going, the, the ball's going to him, and they just cannot stop it. And I'm like, and this guy's a rookie. Like it's just crazy to me, like how good he is. Um, so he's he's my number one rest of the season out of these three guys. Um, Fuller's last, you know, just because of the ups and downs and, and Sutton, I feel like is so consistent and he's going to be this way the rest of the season, as long as he stays healthy that, you know, I put him at, put him behind McLaurin just because of the explosive, huge plays. And the fact that, you know, the Redskins are going to have no choice, but to keep throwing this guy the ball and it doesn't seem like anybody can stop him. So he's my number one for this rest of the season. You know, I'm really curious to see what Washington continues to do at quarterback this year because them going to Colt McCoy for one game and then going exactly back to Case Keenum is so weird. Um, And then Keenum's not been bad. I mean, he's been pretty good, honestly. Um, And he's been great for McLaurin. I mean, really, if you just look at Case Keenum games, McLaurin is putting up a minimum of 17 points and a maximum of 29. So... Keenum is doing great things. And you know what? We saw him do great things when he was with the Vikings with those receivers. It's almost like he's not a bad quarterback. Um, Yeah, Yeah, no, I agree. That's what I was thinking. uh, But, yeah, my biggest problem is going to be I don't think he starts all year and what happens when they let the rookie take over. And, you know, I think we all want to have high expectations. That being said, it's very hard for just – someone to come into the NFL and be able to continue to feed a wide receiver to this, you know, level of production. So that would probably be my biggest concern in the long run is just if Case Keenum remains the starter there, awesome. If he doesn't, though, I'd I'd have questions. You know, like I think to have a Case Keenum come in and play well, you actually have to have like, a, a decently functioning system for that quarterback to be a part of. And so if, if that's the case and Dwayne Haskins comes in and can't function, what does that say about him? I mean, one game is too soon to judge a rookie, but if we see like two or three more games from him that don't look good at all after case Keenum is fine, 
hey, I might, I might be concerned. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I'm always quick to take a victory lap. McLaren is a guy I have zero shares of. Zip, zero. Yeah, I mean, I'll echo this. I don't have anything of McLaurin. I don't have any Sutton. I don't think I drafted either of them in, like, any best ball leagues. I might have Sutton in, like, two out of 180. (laughs) So, yeah, it's – yeah, these are guys who were not on my radar. But definitely, I mean, you have to adjust. And they're phenomenal in DFS. And if you can acquire them and – or if you own them, I mean, you got to be starting them. Yeah, it's also one of those things, as you know, being a Raider fan, that drives me crazy with the whole AB situation is, like, the Raiders may have drafted a guy like McLaurin if they didn't have AB. You know what I mean? Like, if that trade didn't go down before the draft, like, you would assume they would have been forced to make a play for a wide receiver in the draft. And I just feel like, imagine if they did get a guy like that. You know what I mean? Like, God, man, fucking AB haunts me. Fucking haunts me, guys. All right, enough of this shit. Let's move on to the next position. So we we feel different about all those guys. That's awesome. <laughs> Running back, rest of season, another little interesting group I put here together. We have Sony Michelle, we have Carry On, and we have Brita. Who wants to take this one first? Anyone have a strong feeling on this one to go first? I'm gonna I'm gonna hit it first right. just because I think it's obvious. I'm, honestly, I'm gonna be surprised if you guys have it any different. Um, I have it: Carry On, Brita, Sony Michelle. I think it's pretty evident why. Um, carry on. He's getting the work. Uh, he's not doing much with it. Um, has you know been pretty pretty like he's pretty average. You know between eleven and nineteen points each of the last four weeks. Nothing spectacular, but he's getting the volume. Um, two games with over twenty rushes. Uh, he's still seeing you know three and four targets a game. So he's being utilized in the passing game enough that uh, he's able to kind of boost his production there. Um, And he's really all that's there since they got rid of Theo Riddick. So I feel like, you know, Ty Johnson's getting a little bit of work there, but overall, Carrion has the largest workload of the three. Now, for me, Brita, honestly, is number two. And I think that's kind of tough because I, coming into this year, I really like Sonny Michel um, as far as a player that would get better down the stretch. So it's tough when you're looking at the rest of the season. Um, but I love Matt Breida, and he's super explosive. And we've already seen from one game this year that he can blow up and have huge fantasy performances. And he's never been bad. I mean, this is a guy who each of the last four weeks has had a floor of 10 points, which is basically what we were talking about with Carrion. But Matt Breida produced a 30-point game. Carrion's ceiling has been 19 points over that stretch. So... My concerns with Matt Breeder are just volume-related. I don't think they ever give him more than 15 touches, or I'm sorry, 15 carries in a game. Um, but overall, as far as his touches go, I mean, I could see him getting up to 20 if they, you know, target him more than they have been. Um, but they're cycling their running backs there a lot, so I can't feel as confident in him just from a workload standpoint. And Sony is really the disappointment to me, which is just, it's tough. Um I mean, he's going to be someone who's going to be super game script dependent, and it's going to be, you know, those two touchdown games that are going to be phenomenal. But outside of those 100-yard touchdown games or those two touchdown games, he does nothing in the passing game, and it's tough to rely on him. I wonder if you switch their their teams. If you switch Carrion Johnson to the Niners and Brita to the Lions, would you still feel that way? I think mm-hmm. Carrion as a 49er would be bananas. So you think no, he's just I think he'd player. be like the exact same thing because they'd yeah. only give him 15 touches. 
Like that's the thing is it's all related to touches. It's all related to volume. It, the the idea that a player is going to come in and just be like this phenomenal thing. There's so few guys like that. Like even the Panthers before McCaffrey became what he is, they wanted to limit him. That's what NFL teams always want to do. So I think it's so few and far between that guys are actually going to have these you know, my, I think that's as a fantasy owner, that's always what you want. You want to try and identify who can be the next, you know, huge workhorse running back. But I don't think we're good at it, honestly. I mean, I don't, I really don't, I, with the exception of like Dalvin Cook this year, I feel like the majority of players that people wanted to have these huge workloads, you know, the Aaron Joneses, the Carrion Johnsons, the Derrick Henrys, they're just not, they're not going to get it. And I think that it's more a symptom of what the NFL is now. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you say Dalvin Cook, but, like, everyone's making fun of the, the Vikings for using Dar- Dalvin Cook like they are. So it's like, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. I I mean, I, I don't, I, I've never been a fan of Carrion Johnson. Like, everyone gets crazy about the guy. And I'm not, I'm not like, super crazy about him. I, if, I, if, they, if these guys switch teams, I would pick Brita. You know what I mean? Like, I like Brita more just as the, as the player, but – like you said, the touches that carry on gets, you just have to feel like, you know, if we're just playing the, a smart game here, like that's the guy you put in the spot, you know, number one, just because of the fact that, you know, he's getting the touches. But then again, if he's not doing anything with the touches, does it really matter? Like if a guy does more with less, we shouldn't be able, we shouldn't like penalize him for that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. God. Like if we if we just totally fade running back efficiency though, and look at what the team is telling us about carry on, like they cut CJ Anderson, mm-hmm. they moved Theo Riddick out, like carry on is doing that thing where he is changing a team's mind and they are giving him seventy one point nine of the running back opportunity. Like he is that guy, and yeah. I don't, I don't think it's crazy to think that he could go somewhere else and create the same impression on another team. No, that that's the part that is crazy. We need to stop thinking that running backs can go to other teams and produce. I just, I feel like we hardly ever see it. Like even Le'Veon Bell hasn't been as Le'Veon Bell-esque as he was on the Steelers. I mean, really mediocre. Um, so I, I don't know. I think that what we're seeing from Carryon Johnson right now is going to be the best Carryon Johnson we get. It's just going to be a question of if the volume that they're giving him when they're giving him 25 carries in a game. I mean, that's, that's huge volume. Yeah. If he can transition that into production more than he has been. Because right now, I mean, you're not disappointed with Carryon Johnson by any means. But if you just looked at the workload, you'd be disappointed with that efficiency. Yeah, but like I don't think we can really say that the efficiency is him with confidence. No, I mean everything's in context, but the to me the context matters more than the player because the player is never absent from the context. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Like back to Le'Veon Bell, you know he's got the number three opportunity share. So I mean he did he went to another team. And did the thing, but he's also only got two touchdowns. So that's where the context is just dragging him down. 
Yeah, I think a huge part of it, too, though, is with Sam Darnold coming back, I don't think he's going to be utilized in the passing game like he was. I mean, he only saw one target last week, which is insane, because he saw nine and ten targets in two of the last three weeks prior. So, um, I mean, it's one game. I don't want to overreact to one game, but it, it is it is interesting that, you know, he wasn't being utilized in the passing game like that. And even if you just look at, you know, Darnold being there for week one as well, in week one, I mean... He was targeted a bunch, so it, it's very possible that that could move back up. Um, but just overall, like his efficiency as a runner has just not really been there at all. Right now, there's listeners screaming at us, led by DFS Siege. Sony Michelle's number one. Sony <laughs> Michelle is slow, Jordan Howard. <laughs> like maybe they give him the ball 25 times down the stretch because that's what they want to do. But he's he's nothing special. Mm. I mean, he's got he's got more rushes this year than Carryon does. God, from a volume standpoint, like it, it's frustrating because honestly, it, if I didn't think San Francisco had the best offensive line in the NFL, it would be really easy to even put Sony ahead of Brita here because Brita's just not going to get the touches that Sony will. At some point, this in some point in this season, Sony will start getting twenty. Sony had twenty two last week. I know, but he didn't do anything with it either. So it's like, what's like? That's the real question: is will it continue to be the type of production that we're seeing from him when he's getting that large workload? And he gets if it is, sometimes I mean, he gets he catches the ball a couple times a game, and they've been throwing it to him a little more. It's true. It's true. And you know, if he finds the end zone, he can have those twenty-point games. Which so. he did. He did. He found the end zone against Washington last week, and you know, running and, and catching. And I mean, he's got three rushing touchdowns this year. He hasn't been terrible, man. He's. I'm telling you, right now, there's people yelling that we're wrong. We got this backwards. Sony's number one to some people here. It's like the problem with Sony, though, besides being a plotter, is is that he's only getting 47% of the opportunity there. Like, James White is going to continue to get opportunity, going to get red zone touches. He even gets goal line touches occasionally. Rex Burkhead right now is out, but I don't think he's going to stay out. When he comes back, he will be another person taking away touches, high-value touches. What I'm taking from this episode, guys, is we are arguing about running backs a lot. And we're kind of cutting dry on the wide receivers. We feel the wide receivers have nothing to debate. And the and the running backs are a, a source of contention. It's true. That has been interesting. <laughs> if that's anything I've learned from this episode myself while being a part of it, is that we are debating running backs heavy and wide receivers are like, hey, yeah, this guy, this guy, that guy, that guy, and that's it. It's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> Let's move over to the next topic, though. Uh, quarterbacks, rest of the season. Three names on here. Darnold. Cousins and Goff. Anybody feeling froggy? If not, I'll go first. Uh, you know, I, I would say Darnold's the most exciting out of this group. Mm-hmm. Dar- Darnold, Darnold played really well. 10 yards per attempt in week six. You know, like that's that's exciting. Goff, to me, is just another. He's a very pedestrian quarterback. You know, he peaks out around eight yards per attempt where Darnold was around 10. But he's also Goff can give you those those big volume weeks where he throws the ball sixty times, and so that's what puts him ahead of Cousins for me. Even though I think Cousins is a good quarterback, that that game script of him throwing the ball 40, 50 times is never happening. Goff is your Will Fuller of quarterbacks. 
Well, no, because I think <laughs> Will Fuller's good at being a wide receiver. Production wise, scoring wise, fantasy points wise, big weeks. Yeah, right, weeks. right. He can right. Exactly. You're right there. Yeah. I haven't ranked Darnold Cousins golf. I don't hate that. I mean I'm if Cousins was in a different situation. Darnold's fun, man. I'm, I'm excited that he's back. I'm, I'm glad he's back because he's a fun one to watch, and he gets things going there. The other wire, other quarterbacks weren't doing jack. He makes that offense come alive a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, you watch them, they're, like, they're just dead. There's nothing happening, and then he comes back, and things just, like, light up instantly. So I got to put him down. And it's crazy that we're putting Cousins second or last here because of the wide receivers that he has and the offense that, that's going there. It's kind of crazy to put him second or last on what it feels like. You know, with we- when we just consider weapons, it's like, yeah. man, like he's got everything. He's got anything a quarterback could ask for out of the weapons. You know what I mean? And he can do it, too. Yeah. He's, he's, I think he's a good quarterback. Adam, you're silent over there, man. Yeah, I'm just waiting for you guys to be done being wrong. Because um, having Sam Darnold at the top of this list is just more of this fantasy community talking up a player that hasn't ever had the production to warrant oh, it. I don't get. I don't get. Adam it. wants to fight this week, bro. You want to fight? No, I, I kind of do. You want to fight? Really kind of do. We'll bring it to like, you, man. Everybody wants to shit on Jared Goff. Like the Rams were awful last week, but San Francisco is what no one expected San Francisco to be, which is potentially the best team in the NFC. Um, from what I've seen so far, which is flabbergasting when you look at what they have on offense. But between the tackles, they're just they're so dominant on offense and defense. Outside of that, though, Jared Goff has put up at least 17 points the last four weeks. Like, what are we talking about? He he is he is what you want from Sam Darnold. Like a great game from Sam Darnold is what we saw last week, and he put up 23 fantasy points. So. Ultimately, Jared Goff is every week what we think Sam Darnold is on this great comeback week. So I think that that gets thrown out right away. The one who has potentially the highest ceiling of the group on a weekly basis is Kirk Cousins. I mean, because of what he has in those wide receivers, when they decide to throw the ball, he has this potential to have huge games. Um, I think for me, Darnold is last on this list. Like, and... Honestly, I I don't even think it's that close. And then it really becomes, to me, a question of, from just a play-calling philosophy standpoint, if the Vikings are going to allow Kirk Cousins to throw the ball. Um, Because when they do, with the exception of, you know, the game against Chicago, every other game where he's been able to throw the ball, he's been really productive for fantasy. And, you know... He's sneaky as a rusher as well. He already has one rushing touchdown on the season, so he gives you that element as well. Um, honestly, I think I'd probably still lean golf slightly just because of the offense and just because of their willingness to throw the ball more, which the Vikings showed at the beginning of this year that they might come the winter months shell back up and just start being this crazy 25-30 rush attempt, you know, team handing the ball off to Dalvin cook. Um, but for me, like, I don't, I don't think Darnold is even in this question yet of, of these two guys. I think these two guys are like low top 12 to like top 15 quarterbacks. I think Darnold's still in like the twenties for me. He's there, man. He's there. Last week he was QB nine, his first week back. Yeah. I mean, but in his rookie year, he gave you one, he gave you down the stretch two QB one games 
It's a it's a one week sample against the Dallas Cowboys team that's falling apart. Goff has though. a shitty QB rate and he throws interceptions all the time. Like, yes, he's get out of here with that guy, man. And he and through all of uh, that listen. is still producing for fantasy. I don't he care what I'm watching on the field. Points. He had yeah. 20, twenty fantasy points on sixty eight attempts. <laughs> he's not a good quarterback. <laughs> I mean that that it that is really hard to argue with. I would put Cousins ahead of. Darnold, especially if the Vikings switch over here and go, you know, the last two games, Cousins has thrown the ball a lot. He's thrown touchdowns. He's been productive. If they stay on that path, then I think Cousins is the easy one. Like I said, he has the best weapons. There's no question. Um, but when you when you consider that they may just bail on that and start running the ball again and give him ten attempts and shit, then you gotta get worried. And Darnold's gonna throw the ball. Like, there's yeah. to me, there's no question about that. That offense is gonna have to throw the ball. Like it's just the way it is. So I, I like mean, cousins. You could put cousins anywhere on yeah. this list, and I wouldn't really argue with you. But like, I think he's gonna have yeah. to have a four touchdown week fuck to make it back up to QB six again, Goff like he did. Seventy eight yards. Get the fuck out of here. Number one on this list. You're crazy as shit. I have no idea you why fight. you think so. Because he's fight. the best fight fantasy out. quarterback in past years. Hey guys, guess what? He's the best fantasy quarterback of this group so far this season on a points per game basis. And on a seasonal basis. So I don't know why we're having this conversation, except for that you guys want to talk up a guy who had one good week in his first week back, which is great. Great for Darnold. But the idea that he's going to continue to produce like that, to me, seems crazy. God, let's kick off out of here. Listen, listen, Adam. Transition again. I'm, I'm, a transition, I'm transitioning nicely today. Jared Goff has the least fantasy points per game of these three. Mm, what like are we that. talking about? Am I looking at the wrong thing here? I don't. I might know. be. I uh, I'm, I might be. I'm. <laughs> if you're looking at the quarterback really with the it. shitty completion percentage, the shitty interceptions, the <laughs> shitty quarterback rating, that would be golf. The guy he's had it. He's had a really rough season. I'm not going to act like he hasn't, but at the same yeah, why time, shitting on my Brandon Cooks. What is he doing? <laughs> Robert Woods had a run in a touchdown for God's sakes the other week. Because Look what he's doing to these wide receivers. They're having to run the ball. He had to run the ball. <laughs> this is horrible. It's terrible. All right. Anyway, we're all over the place on those quarterbacks. You guys figure it out. Cousins to me. Darnold. Goff is last. However you guys want to cut this. It's nuts. Um, hey, we almost argued about quarterbacks more than running backs, guys. Congratulations. We all deserve an applause for that. All right. Let's move over to the not-so-obvious flex lock of the week. Funny that you put Darnold last, but your flex lock last week was his wide receiver because you knew what he can do, even though you want to play the other other side today. Um, last week, I had Gus Edwards. Womp, womp, womp. Josh, you had Preston Williams. Am I right? Yes. Womp, womp, womp. And the guy here who is talking so much shit today is probably because he picked Jameson Crowder last week for the flex lock of the week. So he wants to fight with us all today. So, Jamison Crowder had a good week, Adam. Congratulations. You won your first flex lock of the week. Is it your first one? I think. I think so. I think <laughs> I so. I'm just glad somebody won. Sure, I, I one of us so. won. Uh, that's yeah. important. I'm glad that one of us had a good prediction <laughs> this week. Um, it, it, it's nice when at least one of us can do that. I think Adam actually won another week. But okay. it was a week where he said... Nobody wins. Okay, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Well, and I think that 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 is true. There can be weeks where no one wins, even if one of us scores the highest. There, if if the recommendation is someone that if, if you had him in your fantasy lineup, you'd be like, oh, well, that's disappointing for that player. Then yeah, <laughs> you, you just got to be honest with yourself. But 
you know, since since I you know took down last week, I, I'll throw it off this week with uh, I, I think a name that's going to surprise you guys because um, I don't know. I think it's kind of a fun pick. Um, <laughs> it it's a gigantic matchup play um, and a volume play, but uh, I really like Frank Gore this week. I think if you if you own him, this is like the only week that you can really feel confident starting him. Buffalo is at home going up against Miami and you know, he's seeing a consistent workload. He's never seen less than 16 touches in a game this year. Um, you know, or I'm sorry, in the last four games, the the first game of the year, he, he only saw 11 touches, but uh, that was when Singletary was playing and, and since Singletary's left now, he basically is all they have there. And if they get into the right game scripts, I think that he's in a great position to score a touchdown and see 15 to 20 carries. And with that, I think you're thinking, you know, a minimum of like 12 points, which I think for, you know, flex lock of the week is like what we're looking for in a floor. And if he can have a hundred yard game or if he can, you know, put in two touchdowns, then he's going to be phenomenal. Not to mention something that we can't quantify, but he played for Miami last year. Might want to show him, hey, look what you let go. I'm back. So revenge game revenge. narrative. I yeah. like it, Neil. Yeah. It's definitely there. It's definitely something I consider. Josh, do you have somebody to counter this Frank Gore play? I know you weren't going to pick an old running back like that. So who do you have this week? Uh, okay. So I feel like I might be pushing it a little bit here, but I'm going to, I'm going to go with golden Tate. Is this, is this allowable? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's better than the other one that you suggested before the podcast. So, uh, in the, Immortal words of the guy's name is slipping my mind, but the referee from Celebrity Deathmatch, I'll allow it. Okay. Who was that? Who was that? Who was that? The uh, the referee was from Celebrity Deathmatch back in the day. Damn, what was that guy's name? Bald guy. God, it's that's gonna kill me. I feel right. like it was. Anywho. Rocket Josh, what? Why is Golden Judge Mills Tate Lane? Kind of Mills week? Lane, like Thank I said. Thank you, Mills Lane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I said it earlier oh. with little confidence, but yeah, it's Judge Mills Lane. Love it. So Golden Tate. Yes, Golden Tate. Sorry. Um, Better be sorry. So this is where I say a bunch of words while they, he's playing the Cardinals. <laughs> he's playing the Cardinals. I think that between him and Evan Ingram. They will be the passing attack. If Saquon comes back, I think things only get better for him. I just I like Golden Tate. I'm cheering for Golden Tate. And to be honest, I didn't see a lot of locks to throw out this week. So I'm going to this guy. Well played. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely not terribly deep. But, I mean, it's like we've talked about before with these locks. Like, you know, this is why we don't have like a – flat like oh if they go to over 12 fantasy points it's a hit kind of thing it's because for golden tate if he puts up 12 fantasy points you're not going to be that happy with it but if frank gore does you're going to be ecstatic so like there's definitely levels to the game there is there definitely is all right what you got neil well you just kind of fucking ruined it so um (laughs) did he steal your guy well he didn't steal my guy i had a guy from the same team so Oh, do it. No, no, no this would be fun. Oh, I yeah. mean, you were shitting on the guy earlier, so I thought it would be fun to use him, but now... Even better. Do it. All right. Darius Slayton. <laughs> I mean, don't do it if you're doing it reluctantly. <laughs> <laughs> like, first of all, you shit all over him, cool. too. So I was like, hey, 
I'll still use him. It's all right. So I'll still, I'll still pull for the guy. And now it's you made it, now parts. you made it worse with Golden Tate. You're like, well, shit. Now it's not even fun since you went <laughs> all the way above me. Um, no, I'm gonna switch that it up. That should be even more fun. Cause honestly, to me, if Darius Slayton got like 12 points, that's a hit. But Golden yeah. Tate's got to get like 18 to 20. So maybe I'll stick with him. I don't know. What do you guys think? For the fun of the podcast, stick with them or lose them? I think you should stick with them. I think it's fun to pit you guys against each other while I crush you guys with Frank Gore. Well, you know, Josh already kind of gave all the reasons. (laughs) So, yeah, Darius Layton with less reasons than Golden Tate. But, uh, yeah, good matchup. Like, guys are injured, coming back, whatever the case may be. Giants are going to have to sling the rock to beat your boy, Kyler, and that bad head coach of his. And, uh, yeah. I think Slayton's going to be a part of it. So Josh shit all over him earlier, how he didn't produce with all those air yards. But uh, I'm going to I'm gonna take him over, Tate, even though you just kind of hurt me here. But it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> I like crazy, He's just man. poor man's Devontae Parker. It's cool. Yeah, that's all right. So that's what I got, Slayton. So we got Tate, Slayton, and Frank Gore. A very, very exciting group of guys. Yeah, that's that's sexy. Not so obvious. Flex locks of the week. And again, congratulations to Adam for pulling it out last week. Jameson Crowder. That's a good one. All right. Sounds super genuine. Yeah. I'm not excited for you. You haven't been nice this episode, man. Oh, really? Very angry. Very argumentative. (laughs) You You got some very bad takes this week. And it started with Duke Johnson, so I kind of blame him. (laughs) (laughs) all right let's jump over to fowler no foul my favorite part of the show i have three statements for you guys if you don't agree with the statement you throw the foul out there you can pretend to be the nfl refs because that's all they do these days and if you think there is no issue it's no foul all right so the first one the rams trading first round draft picks for young elite talent is a super bowl winning formula fowler no foul no foul I mean, these these are the kind of moves that you have to do. You have short windows to win in the NFL, and I I mean, I'm not like the hugest fan of this particular trade, but I think like the concept in general, like you have to make moves like this. They haven't had a first round draft pick, I think, in five seasons. <laughs> so you think this is gonna work, Adam? You think it's a good? Oh formula? yeah, I honestly I think in the NFL you're way better off trading your first round draft pick. Like the okay. hit rates are so low. That if you can get a player that you actually know is productive, you're way better off. Yeah, like when you trade for Mac and then lose to the Raiders. Right. Exactly. I agree. Makes I do too, actually. Josh Jacobs running down <laughs> I your still throat. agree. Josh Jacobs running down your throat with that first round draft pick for Mac. Yes. Yes. Okay. Adam, I mean Josh. You think this is a good I agree. Idea? I agree. I think okay. it's a great strategy. I, I've always felt like the NFL way overvalues these picks. And it I hate it when you see like a good player traded for a third round pick. And you're like, do you really think you're going to draft somebody in the third round? That's right. better than this guy. Right. <laughs> like, I, I think they're doing it right. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, come on guys. He's 24 years old. Jalen Ramsey, just in this trade today. Like, I mean, like he's not, like he's some old guy, man. Like he's a young player. So it was definitely worth it. And I definitely like the strategy. I mean, you got that thing when you have, when you're a fan of a team, like, you want to have draft picks and like everyone raves about draft picks and then you're like, well, yeah, well, everyone, they suck. Like then it's like, it's horrible. And you know, Ramsey is not going to suck. So like, that's a fact, like it's just the way it is. So yeah, I'm cool with it too. Um, 
All right. Next question. I seen here that the XFL, which I know you guys are so excited about, uh, their average salary apparently is going to be 55,000 per season. Jeez. Is nowhere near enough to play football. Foul or no foul? I'm trying to remember what it was for the AFL. I think it was 70, I want to say. I think Canadian League is like 65, but that's in Canadian dollars. So I don't know how that translates. <laughs> I'm not good with math or numbers. It's like ASOs. Yeah. I mean, it, I'll, I'll say foul only because, like, th- there's probably a reason the salary's at. And obviously, there are players who are playing in it. Um, so, like, there's obviously some incentive. It's not like it's a yearly salary. Um, it's still low. I mean, obviously, I think we all can acknowledge that it seems low. But at the end of the day, like, I think that there's probably some justification to it, especially when we just saw a minor league fold after, what, two, three weeks the AFL folded. So I, I'm not going to question how much they're playing, paying players because, you know, I think that they might have to do it just to survive. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, think, I, I agree I, as well. They're, they're grown men, and football is risky, but I don't think you can stand in their way and say, no, you shouldn't do that. Yeah, I mean, like a couple of things to consider here. Yeah, 55K doesn't sound like a lot to get your brain rattled or your ACL torn or whatever the case is. But, like, number one, let's talk about this. Like, these are guys who are not playing football anywhere else, right? And they want yeah. to play football. So, like, that's kind of the whole point. Like, if we can all sit here and do our dream job and make, you know, fifty five, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 a year – you might do it. You know what I mean, you might just do it. And not to mention, I'm sure this is like the average, but there's players that are going to make more than this. And who knows if there's like some kind of bonuses or incentives. And it's the first year, like let them make money first. Right. Cause I don't think the XFL, I think I read somewhere that it's not like funded by anybody, but them. You know what I mean? Like the AFL, mm-hmm. I think was funded by like outside people. And that's why it kind of folded. Um, I don't think the XFL is. So I don't know if that's, that's probably a good thing for the players and for it to stand and, and stay. So, and plus, you know, these guys are going to get a chance to kind of show off themselves, maybe get a chance somewhere else. I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't think it's fair to say it's like a minor leagues, but, you know, it is a chance to do what you love and hopefully I mean, get noticed. A lot of, sorry, I was just going to say a lot of AFL players ended up in the NFL. I yeah, mean, they got chances at least, did. right? Yeah. Some of them did. I know Raiders even like had a couple of them. I mean, they didn't make the team, I don't think, but they had chances. They had a shot and then maybe they wouldn't have got yeah, for sure. You know? So it's going to be an interesting debate, but. Uh, yeah, man, I think uh, a lot of people would take 55K to play football and have some fun. Um, the last one we have here is, I don't know if you guys are up on this one, if you have seen it, not seen it, or are versed on it, but um, the NBA is soft for speaking their mind on American issues, but backing down when speaking on issues in China, foul or no foul. Uh, are you guys aware of the situation yeah yeah i mean i saw the south park (laughs) oh yeah yeah (laughs) that's how up to date i am on the situation but yeah i mean it's weird man it's just weird in general with what we what china does and what american media allows china to do with their content and yeah man i i don't even like it's one of those things that i almost don't even know what to think of it be careful what you say, Adam. We don't want this podcast. I know, right? You're banned. listening, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> For anyone they who probably pay know. some dude like five cents a week to listen in on us. So, For anyone who's like not aware, basically an NBA uh, GM came out and said like he's on the side of Hong Kong because, you know, China, Hong Kong, 
lots of issues over there. Google it if you're not aware. We're not the political podcast to give you the expert analysis on it. But basically, there's a lot of issues over there. And the GM spoke out about it, which is a problem in the NBA because they are very, very, very popular in China. And so China got upset and caused all kinds of issues for them. Now, you know, the players are getting questioned. The NBA commissioner has to kind of try to, you know, do damage control. And so even LeBron James is like, hey, I'm not, you know, speaking on the issue itself. But like the GM shouldn't have did that. It wasn't a good idea to say that he's damaging a lot of people's, um, you know, money and opportunity and, you know, well-being and all this kind of stuff. And so it's kind of funny because some people are saying, well, the NBA is this very pro forward thinking league, right, where the players speak out on issues and they're very forward thinking and, you know, progressive kind of thing. And they're saying, well, it's funny that they can speak about our political issues and talk about our president and all this kind of stuff. But then when it comes to a China where money is now going to get affected, they have to go quiet. And so it's kind of, you know, a big deal right now. So I was just kind of curious if either one of you had any strong thoughts or feelings on it. That's that's a tough issue. I, I, I think that that GM is allowed to say what he wants. Right. I mean, that is kind of part of our constitution. <laughs> he is allowed to say what he wants, but it does affect a lot of people. And so that's kind of where, you know, guys like LeBron are like, hey, that's very careless, you know, for you to do that. Especially the the NBA was playing games in China when it was happening. Like, <laughs> so they're like, yeah. oh, damn, come on, man. Like, you could have waited a week till we got out of there kind of thing. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting topic, though. It's interesting to see how it plays out because we're not going to hear the end of it. You know how it goes. You know how it goes. All right. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's soft, man. I think we shouldn't be bowing to people. I think it's all a financial thing. You know what I mean? Once finances get affected, everyone gets scared. And so I don't think we should be. All right. Let's move over to show and tell to close this bad boy out. Now, I'm going to let Josh start with show and tell. So, like, I just, I'm fresh off of parent teacher conferences here, right? And um, teachers have a habit. A lot of teachers do this where they go into conferences. And they like, we have to screen kids and find out like, oh, these kids are below this percentile and we identify them for interventions and extra help and all that stuff. And um, I've always felt like it was kind of tacky to go into a conference and um, be like, your student reads at the 34th percentile. Like, do you guys, is that okay? Do you guys think that's th- something that should be done? Uh, I think it is something that I would ask the parents if they wanted to know, maybe. <laughs> because I think that there are some parents that are, like, neurotic like that and want to know that information. But I think that there's a lot of parents that would be like, why is everything so um, so much like a contest, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know that that information is really especially helpful. Like, so your kid reads in the bottom quartile. So what does that tell you to do? I mean, I guess it identifies a problem, maybe. But it, well, definitely if it's that low. But (laughs) I I think, so we had a parent really kind of take offense to it. And I don't blame her. And, you know, it's, it's something that is just very normal and everybody does it and I've been uncomfortable with it, but now I'm giving it more thought. 
Yeah, it's kind of one of those things too with like SAT and ACT and all those kind of things where they're like, oh, if you scored this score, you scored average. And it's like, okay, what does that mean? Like, does that mean I'm stupid? Like, does that mean like, like, what, what does that mean for me? You know what I mean? Like, a lot of people, you know, people stress about these things, man. Test scores well, and national rankings you know, and intelligent people, Neil, uh, realize that that means you're average. No, you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> average is a bad thing these days, man. It's not a good thing. It can be. I mean, it's all relative to perception. I mean, 80% of high school students go on to college, so average doesn't really even matter. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it's pretty irrelevant when it comes to school in that regard because it's, I mean, there's not, there's a big difference between which colleges you go to, but, you know, once you're in the working world, that only applies so greatly. I don't know. I think that yeah, I mean, like I said, I think it's just one of those things that if if certain parents want to know that, you can offer that information as, like, an option. But to make it just something that's blanketly said to everyone is, yeah, probably not the best way to go about it. I feel like it's tacky the more I think about it. Like, I don't feel like we should be – I don't feel like that should be the headline of parent-teacher conferences. Like, right. Yeah, it shouldn't be the headline. It shouldn't be the, uh, you know, the uh... – the major focus probably right i mean like like yeah. i said if the parents asking about it and like that's kind of their goal then okay whatever like they're obviously you know fishing for it but um i don't think it has to be the the focal point you know what i mean the same parent she said that um she felt like school should be more about emphasizing what kids do well instead of like identifying problems and trying to bring up low uh, I mean that's know. a that's a that's a parenting question period, right? That's a common core yeah. thing though, isn't it? That common core, the way that they well, fund schools is so relative to bringing up the lowest common denominator. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I mean that that's all it is. I mean honestly, it's so funny, but everything just comes back to government and politics. It's ridiculous, but it's true. And for what it mean, what 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 it matters, guys. We talked about Harvard in the past. They actually won their recent affirmative action case for their use of race in admissions. Interesting. They say it's not discriminatory, discriminatory, so they're allowed to keep doing it. I mean, obviously they're going to keep fighting this stuff. But man, yeah, schooling, college, education—it's all interesting stuff, Josh. It's all interesting stuff. But that kind of thing to me, I feel like. You know, that's kind of a parenting thing, too, as far as whether you talk about the negatives, whether you talk about the positives. I mean, some people feel like, hey, they already know we already know what we do well. So, like, why why harp on that? Let's talk about what we can improve on to make ourselves better. Right. And so if you ignore it and don't talk about it, we just focus on what I do great. Well, then how do I get better? Right. Yeah. Then people feel like, well, if you talk about what I do bad, then you just kind of demoralize me. And so then I don't feel great about anything. (laughs) So I guess it really depends. Just thinking about, like, what it takes to be functional in the world i'm not sure what's more important if it's like having a really great skill that you can market or if it is not being deficient i think it's probably a skill that you can market yeah yeah skills are a big part of it i don't know adam doesn't have any take on this no, he wants not really. Away. I've only spoken a ton on it. Just messing with you. <laughs> Calm down, Adam. I'm trying to fight with you some more, man. Let's go. No, I, I could care less. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Adam, do you have one? Yeah, I do. And uh, I'm curious to know, Neil, you might already be listening, but uh, it's, it's a new podcast. There are about eight episodes in. And honestly, it's 
there there are a handful of podcasts out there that are like comedic podcasts that actually cause me to laugh. I've never laughed harder listening to a podcast than I do listening to Two Bears One Cave, which is the uh, new podcast from Tom Segura and Bert Kreischer. Uh, it's so obvious that these guys are just the real life best friends, um, but it is like so gut bustingly funny. Like I've I've literally burst out laughing while listening to it while at work to the point where I'm like, all right, no, this is now a I go home and I watch it on YouTube podcast. Like to me, it's it's that good. It's like a TV show that I want to watch, and um, it, it's it's one of those podcasts that like. I, I don't really think I could say much about the format or anything because it's really just them having a conversation and it just kind of goes from there. But uh, as far as just really funny podcasts that are just silly and just there for a good time, I, I've never found anything that honestly brings me more joy than like the hour I get listening to that podcast. It's so fun. Yeah, actually, I haven't given it a shot yet. Whoa, yeah, definitely check it out because I know that's already in your kind of lane of, yeah. of interest. Yeah, th- I mean, th- those guys, whether it's Bert, Joe, Ari, all those guys, like, they have, like, the best group of podcasts. You know what I'm saying? Like, the best guys as far as, like, all the different groups. Um, yeah, that, like, L.A. comedian group. Yeah, 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 they have the best podcast at that, that area. Um, which, hey, did you hear that? Um, it's kind of off topic, but did you hear that thing where Ari, like, fucking spiked Bert's drink? Oh yeah, with Molly. Yeah. yeah, that's hilarious. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, the real, the crazy full circle thing is gonna be if like if Bert quits drinking or something because <laughs> Mo- MDMA is actually known to curb um, alcoholic right? tendencies okay. and like turn off your desire for certain substances. Uh, it's actually really common for people who use Molly to then have experiences where they don't want to consume any substances for a long period of time afterwards. So it's almost ironic that it happened right before sober october and uh bert's actually talked about that on a couple different podcasts now uh he talked to dr drew about it afterwards even um because they uh they told dr drew live on the podcast that uh ari had spiked him with molly and dr drew was not cool about it at all he was like a normal doctor who was like what are you talking about? Like, do you do you need medical counseling? Like, he took it really seriously, and Bert the whole time's just like, I, I knew you were gonna be like this. It's like obviously he's gonna be like this. He's a doctor. Yeah. So basically, but, uh, it he, was yeah. Go ahead, you can give the background. No, 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 no. I was just gonna say like, basically, those are the. I I, I wish that they would release that episode. Like, they haven't. He hasn't released that episode. I don't know if he will. Um, yeah, I don't know. Afraid if to condone will it either. Yeah, he's afraid to kind of like act like he's condoning it by releasing the episode. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not okay. No, uh, I no. think even Ari has came to the realization that it's not okay because Bert had said on one of the podcasts recently that uh, Ari actually wrote his uh, Bert's wife, Leanne, like a heartfelt letter, like apologizing, which is such an unlike Ari Shafir thing to do. Um, but uh, yeah, that dude, he... Um, I've thought for quite some time now that he's a bit of a sociopath to the point where, like, I feel a little uncomfortable with how much that community of comedians props him up, uh, especially since, like, it's a big joke now. But uh, there is a comedy bit online with him, Bobby Lee and Steve Renazizi doing uh, Ari's old show, This Is Not Happening, where they basically recount a series of events in which Ari like 
beat the hell out of Bobby at the comedy store. And like literally to the point where Bobby was on the ground and Ari's kicking and stomping him. Uh, and they recount it like it's nothing. And it's it, it, Ari has had a tendency of showing this sort of um, what for normal people would be considered entirely not okay behavior. <laughs> and it's being propped up by a lot of other famous people and it kind of makes me uncomfortable. Like he's not my friend, obviously. He's their friend though. And I think that when you listen to podcasts or when I listen to podcasts, like I kind of care about the people that I listen to podcasts. Like I listen to them so often, they almost kind of become a part of my life. So when I have all these comedians that I regularly listen to and they're all friends with this one person who I'm like, that person's really funny. Like I get it from a contextual standpoint, but as a person, like, I don't think you people should associate yourselves with him. You're like, what am I missing? I think, (laughs) I I honestly think we're like two years away from him being the next Louis CK. Like if it, if it wasn't, if it, if the idea behind like banning people and um, what's the word I'm looking for where uh, I, I, I don't want to try and search for it, but regardless, like if it wasn't just related to sexual misconduct right now, somebody like Ari should be the first one out. Like, I'm sorry, even if it's your friend drugging someone with any substance that they're unaware of is completely not okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, the idea that he even thinks it is is disturbing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that that whole situation was, was screwed up. But if you want to learn more about it, listen to Two Bears, One Cave, because they, they talk about it on there as well. And it, it's, uh, yeah, it's a fantastic podcast. 100%. All right, and my show and tell, I'm just going to just rant really quick on customer service. Um, just so we can wrap this bad boy up, just customer service in general, in terms of it's sucking in a lot of places. And I feel like people should push more to make customer service better in terms of if you have an issue, I don't care if you just got Chipotle and it sucked, complain, like, don't just take that, pay $10 and eat it or throw it out. I'm like, all right, hopefully next time it's better. Like there's too many people who I feel like are passive when it comes to customer service. And so it doesn't hold customer service in general accountable. And we need to remind ourselves that everything is customer service. Everything, no matter where you put your business at, your money at, it's customer service. And so we have to hold people accountable for customer service. And don't stop pushing, man. I know places, sometimes, Adam, you know, when you come in big cities like Chicago, people complain a lot, right? Like they don't hold back. New York, they don't hold back. But then when you get to places like Oklahoma, they don't complain a lot. Right, Josh? Yeah, maybe that's why I'm listening to this, and the whole time I'm just wanting to say foul. Because, <laughs> like, why are you wasting your energy? In Florida, <laughs> like, like, people don't complain. They're just like, ah, oh, fuck it, whatever. It's nice outside. See you later. I'm going to the beach. But it's like, nah, man. Like, you're letting people get off the hook. Can't let people get off the hook. So, yeah, like. Meanwhile, chill. here in Chicago, you got people on the back of the bus where this has happened not once, but twice since I've been in Chicago, where someone has just gotten so angry at the pace that the bus is moving <laughs> that they just yell at the bus driver about how they're driving from the back of the bus. So, yeah, I could use a little less of this. Yeah. I, I could use a little less of other people's opinions being voiced. I think that more people need to realize that nobody gives a shit what you think. Damn. <laughs> we give a shit what you think. I give a shit what you think. I'm guy yelling on the bus, nobody gives a I shit. I give a shit about Not the even guy the yelling. bus driver. I give a shit about him. I care about everybody, Adam. No, but I think that you're right to some extent with customer service, but... Mm-hmm. uh it's not going to get better and uh, it's just going to switch over to being robots because they're already 
they've already got that technology now where there's so much stuff that's doing that's working through automation and it's it's going to become more and more common especially with things like over the phone customer service well if they take your jobs if the robots take your jobs andrew yang has a a recipe to fix that (laughs) (laughs) he wants to give you money all right guys that's it for this episode josh has to go argue with parents adam has to go to sleep i have to edit a podcast (laughs) so we're going to close this thing out if you want to find adam you can find him at the other ff guy Josh, you can find it at JC Crocker. Why didn't you release a, uh, an article this week, Josh? Parent-teacher conferences. Oh, the fucking... Oh, man. Real man, life getting away. teachers affecting your fantasy content. Ridiculous. Rude. Bullshit. They have it's no clue bullshit. that molding the future youth of America is not as important as that waiver article. The youth of America needs to know who to pick up on the waiver wire. Exactly. Damn it. Exactly. I mean, how else are they going to win in DFS and their fantasy leagues? Like, this is important stuff, people. It's important. It's more important than your percentile in reading. Come on. Get it together. For sure it is. And you can find me at Clock Dodgers, just as it sounds. Simple as that. Everywhere you want to find us. Please, if you're listening to this episode, you listen to it because you've seen a clip somewhere or someone told you to listen to it and you're not subscribed, please subscribe. It means everything to us. Share the podcast. Retweet it. Tell a friend. Whatever it is. Again, it means everything to us. We love everyone who's listening. We appreciate you guys. We'll be back again next week. That's it. We're done. As always, be kind, be great, keep dying. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.